responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what could be more compassionate than all the things that have weighed you down have been taken up. All of the things that feel like they're imprisoning you can be released so that you can be set free. We just don't tell the story. Yeah. I, I think that's what drives me crazy is when we don't have a relationship, we don't have an avenue to tell a story. Like Jesus actually is the solution to those things. Yep. And we don't present him like that. We present him as some wisdom giver from the early millennia. And like we, we treat him like um, some good guy that'll help you live a good life that other people think is good because the goal in life is that other people think you're good. Yeah. Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here in studio with Aaron Richards. Hello, hey, sir. And Mr. Brad Pierron. What's up? All right. Today is going to be an incredible day, brothers, mm-hmm. because we are doing not episode one, not episode two, but episode three yes. on how to reach Generation Z. And We've never even done a second episode on any topic, I don't think. Yeah, no, we haven't. This is the first time. And <laughs> you'll notice in the last episode, I said, this is the second and final episode, but it was so mm-hmm. good, we decided to do a third yeah. one. Aaron asked us to pay attention to the comments and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um we never really pay attention to the comments <laughs> so. but in this situation do you think this is how star wars work they're like we're gonna make one movie it's gonna be epic and then it became two and Actually, then three like, and then that's six exactly how and then they works. went yeah. then they went wild and they yeah. have like 12 like, oh now. shoot we already made the three why don't we now make like, <laughs> you guys, more from like you are so uninformed I know, so, uninformed. I know. About so maybe they started with one and then two i don't know we're actually insulting Aaron oh right gosh, now. Yeah. I know. I have watched the first two trilogies, but I uh, I had to watch them consecutively because a friend of mine loves Star Wars so much, and I hadn't seen them. And he's like, "We're gonna spend a whole weekend watching these in sequential well, order." Okay, there do was... I know this friend? You do. He works here. <laughs> his first name is Sam, and his last name is Jones. Yeah. Shout out to Sam Jones. <laughs> Well, forced me to watch. Them. Well, this is good. So Aaron's going to start a a, um, start. a new podcast called Beyond Star Wars, and um, <laughs> the, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So tune in. No, but if you're joining us for the first time ever, um, that's awesome. Welcome mm-hmm. to the show. We enjoy talking about how an encounter with Jesus leads to a life of apostolic mission. And today, what we really want to hone in on is how do we reach Generation Z? Right? Generation Z are the current. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, uh, college-age students, this chunk of young people that we have to uh, have this great opportunity to pass the gospel on to and truly have Mm -hmm. to successfully pass the gospel on to if we wish to remain a Christian country. And so uh, it's going to be quite the episode. How Mm -hmm. do we accomplish this? We have all the answers. We are are the source (laughs) and summit of all truth. So tune in today to learn all the answers. Sharing our thoughts, our ideas on how mm-hmm. to reach this lost generation. Um, who wants to open us in prayer? I can. Oh, good job. In the, name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for always being the Lord, no matter what generation, no matter what season. The fact that you're always the Lord should give us such peace. So, Lord, today we pray that as we analyze what you're doing within this generation uh now, um, that as we do that, that we would uh, attune our hearts to you because you're the one who brings solution and you're the one whose presence uh, transcends all the issues that we find here in this life. And Jesus, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. 
Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So I thought for the episode, what we're going to do is we're going to cover kind of the five ways we can effectively reach Generation Z. And uh, I think a lot of this really is speaking from our own experience, but it also kind of piggyback off of the last two episodes and the stats we we're talking about before that. I just want to kind of share some of the stats on like youth and religion in America and what we're looking at in America. And we've been talking, uh, we've been referencing if this is your first time and you haven't seen parts uh, one and two, we've been referencing the Catholic news reports, uh, <laughs> reports, right. And the Catholic news report has been reporting on kind of the different, uh, studies that have been done on generation Z and just some of the interesting things about youth and religion in America right now is the 61% of youth in America are affiliated, uh, claim to be affiliated with some sort of religion, um, whether that's Christianity, um, Islam, Judaism, that 61%, mm-hmm. that uh, 39% um, are completely unaffiliated. So they would say they have no religion that they're attached to. Um, the really interesting thing that I thought was really pertinent is that of the 61% who are affiliated, only 49% are affiliated Christian. And why do you think this is such a staggering statistic? Because we're now below 50%, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. this is the first generation where we're seeing less than 50% of American youth, uh, uh, saying that they're affiliated with Christianity. So Cri- mm-hmm. America, which was uh, founded as a Christian nation, is now, amongst Generation Z, no longer primarily a Christian generation. We, we've lost, mm-hmm. if you will, Christianity in America. We, we don't necessarily need to despair. It's not like, oh, no, there's no... Cre-. Like, 49% isn't like mm-hmm. 10%, but we're now below the majority, right? And... So there's a there's a demand upon us as Christians to reclaim the young generation for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What what have you guys? I mean, I, I share about this a lot. Like that we're a post Christian nation, and that we have to reclaim the lost generation for Jesus. What's the what's the cry on your heart with that? I think there's a there's a lot that comes to mind. I I, I think that um the first thing that I think about when I think about the generation that we're seeing in middle school, high school and college is, um, a generation that is really striving to find purpose, but because they've lost the foundation upon which like the vast majority of humanity has ever found purpose, they're really struggling in that realm. So what I, what I think, um, to just speak to anyone who's listening, that's like, okay, those statistics seem pretty like, I don't know, like exaggerated or pretty daunting or something like that. Like, just look at like, even middle school, high school and college. I think that like I'm seeing more and more college students now that actually don't have any clue what they want to do with their lives and not even what, but like who they want to be in their lives. Like you can't even like sit them down and say, give me like the five things that like you want your life to be marked by Mm -hmm. because it's, it's always kind of like all input and not a whole lot of output. It's like, I'm getting this from all these different angles. So I don't know when I, when I see that statistic, I, I get, um, I get encouraged because it shows me, and I know we're going to get into that today, but really like the foundation that Christianity provides allows purpose to flow really easily. And if we can bring purpose and show a life that's on purpose, um, we can, I don't know. Well, you you suggest that with like the, the, the individual, but I think it's also the nation, right? Like the nation is trying to figure out what like purpose and we're trying to find meaning in all these Mm -hmm. silly categories and all these Mm -hmm. silly things because we've lost the foundation of authentic meaning. Mm -hmm. We're trying to Mm -hmm. like give dignity and honor to 
all these people because we've lost sense of real dignity of the mm-hmm. human person. Yeah. And like we were, we're so confused and in uh, our confusion in America is it, mm. it, it's, mm. um, it's almost like veiled with this like idea of love or mm-hmm. this idea mm-hmm. of generosity and goodness. And, but because it has no foundation in truth, right. it, it's we're losing our minds, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. we're we're mm-hmm. redefining uh, marriage, we're redefining boy and girl because mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. lost foundation. And if 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 we continue on this track, right, yeah. going from you know ninety percent of America identifying as Christian to seventy five percent to sixty five mm-hmm. to forty nine percent, and we continue to lose America's youth. We are we're no longer going to be a nation that, mm-hmm. that's founded on Christian mm-hmm. principles. And, and quite honestly, what led to Western prosperity, what led to the freedom that we experience mm-hmm. in America is Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so without Christianity, our whole nation is truly in trouble and mm-hmm. at cost of crumbling, right? Mm-hmm. So this idea that we have to minister to and reach Generation Z and iGen, the generation that comes after them, is of absolute critical importance, not just so that mm-hmm. we continue mm-hmm. to pass on the Catholic faith, but so that we like continue to allow America to exist as we know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm not uh, in the center of demographic study. So w- what what strikes me about this is that as much as things are changing, how much the hearts of individuals remain the same. So I wonder, I wonder how much of this is is just a new way of measurement or uh, a new way of valuing what previously hadn't been measured or valued. I mean, the kids that come to Damascus and the kids who are on retreat here are the same kids that we've ministered to for 20 years. Uh, I think mode and methodology has, has shifted, but, but hearts are still hungry for an encounter with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, hearts are still hungry for authentic relationship. And this is the same stuff that we argued mm-hmm. when we were fighting for a budget back in 2004. I mean, the the fact that like that we we have to invest in relationship in order to mm-hmm. in order to communicate the gospel. It's 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 always been the message. I think we're just we're we're trying to learn how to use new tools mm-hmm. for a, for a new generation. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. I, I and I simp- I think I sympathize with this generation because like you said, I think it's the same it's the same kid showing up today on retreat that showed up five years ago, yeah. 10 years ago. But what I see is they're, um, what, what they're being shown as possible is changing so rapidly. Sure. Like sure. the end target has become so vague that there's no ability to then set purpose. You know, like I think what, probably 50, 60 years ago, maybe for good and for bad, but if you would poll the vast majority of the country, they would say a good life generally contained the same things, right? And now if you ask a subset of the population, what's a good life entail? I have no idea the answers that you would get, right? Because the end targets become so vague. So it's the same person with the same desires, yeah. but not as fixed of a, you know, a target, well, maybe? Well, the, the, the culture that they're growing up in it has drastically changed. And it, so it's, it's, it's the values it, of the culture. It's changing, but it's not unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So you remember, sure. I think we sure. talked about it on the show before, that that uh, that old um, documentary, The Merchants of Cool, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It was made in like the 90s uh, about, about how... Um, you know, fashion and design are intentionally targeting and telling you what you should like in order to market to you. Yeah, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And and nothing's changed. 
Right. Uh, it's it's just that everything has evolved. So I think I think actually this conversation <laughs> is really telling be, because <laughs> if you take a snapshot of the church, oftentimes the issue is that we are unable to reach a population mm -hmm. because we're unable to do the work or unwilling to do the work that's necessary to become an expert. Mm -hmm. So somebody right now is an expert on Generation Z. Mm -hmm. um, somebody somewhere is an expert on iGen. Uh, you want to see how it happens? You know, go jump on TikTok. That's not where I spend my time. Yep. But mm -hmm. but somebody is somebody is orchestrating and telling a new generation what they should like. Mm -hmm. The issue is that we're not doing that. Yep. So I, I think I think that's where that's where the 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 missional call is. It's it's that mm -hmm. young people today, all people today, and for all time are are worthy and in need of investment. Yep. Mm -hmm. And and we need yeah. to be sure that our tools are effective at investing in them. Yeah. So, I mean that that's what uh, one of the inspirations behind behind what we're doing at Damascus. Like that that's why we've in, we've invested so much in the people and mm -hmm. the resources mm -hmm. that that make up this beautiful studio behind us, right? Mm -hmm. Because because we're seeing uh, like I know that I am I don't have it all figured out, uh, and mm -hmm. and we need to you know, we need to stay on the cutting edge in order to reach a population. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I think that you're right. So you have a multi-billion dollar marketing industry that is researching and studying and thus then mm -hmm. defining how Generation Z thinks, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. The way they, yeah. the way they dress, the way they act, the, what they like, what they dislike. And it's just, mm -hmm. and, and they're investing billions of dollars in this re market research and then pumping mm -hmm. that research out. And what is the church doing for our youth? And mm -hmm. it seems like we're actually retreating because it's so complicated. I remember early in the summer, just when I was praying and mm -hmm. the Lord brought me to like that Matthew 25 understand of like, um, you know, whatever you do mm -hmm. for the least of these people you've done for me. And the Lord just highlighted to me, Dan, the young church is the least of these that like we've as a church, we just are no longer it's, it's as if we we have no strategies and we haven't had mm -hmm. success, so we feel defeated. And so adults are just like almost giving up on youth ministry. And you see this across the nation mm -hmm. in the Catholic Church. We have incredible things coming out. There's like all these parish revival plans. There's these uh, staff formation plans, uh, things for priestly formation. There's uh, all kinds of like small group tech, not like, I mean, small group methodology for like mm -hmm. adult faith formation. And we're, we're coming out with all this stuff. But then the question, all of these different things that mm -hmm. we're creating in the countries, well, where's the dialogue about the youth? There's yeah. no dialogue at all about the young church mm -hmm. right now, statistically, like the number of parishes looking for a youth minister are mm -hmm. crazy high. No one can find youth ministers anymore. And if you can find a youth minister, you can't find a competently trained youth minister. Like, I think it's, what was it? Uh, 20, I think it's like 21% of our parishes in America even mm -hmm. have a full-time youth minister. And most of them, youth ministry isn't their only job. They have multiple yeah, right. other things. They're and slashers. Yeah. The it's slashers. youth minister slash administrative assistant yeah. slash. Yeah. yeah. And then Eight, it, 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 18 months is the average lifespan of a Catholic youth minister. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we're in this place where, like you said, Aaron, we're not willing to do the work. Yep. We're not willing to invest the time, the energy, and the mm -hmm. money to reclaim and to win this generation again. And because there's an opposing force that is willing to do that work, we're losing them. Yeah. And we're losing them to something that mm -hmm. has no foundation, like you're saying. Agreed. Brad. Yeah. Well, and I also think that there's there is something new too. So I, I think because I understand us saying that, like, because the desires of the human heart are always the same. But now there is something you even mentioned TikTok, Aaron. I can go online and someone's just presenting the best parts of their idea. Yep. The best parts of their life. And they seem to be more trustworthy than that 
um, brother or sister of mine that's following the Lord that I know the the rough parts about, you know, or my parents that are Christian that I see some of the inconsistencies in their life. And this is where like, that's why I always go back to like authenticity. And I'm excited that we're going to get into some of the solutions, but just that, that thought experiment, I think works out because a young person is trying to see what they want to buy, right? Like what they want to stake their life on. And they're seeing one side that's only presenting positive, right? Only presenting the, the best parts in quick snapshots. 15 seconds of the best thoughts I have, you know, like even these like podcasts, we're doing long form right now. And when you listen to a whole long form discussion, all of us stutter and wrestle with some thoughts, but if you gather 10 seconds, it can be perfect. Right. And in the secular world, they're doing these 10 second clips and giving these to the young people. Whereas these young people are living lives next to Christians where they're like, well, there's inconsistencies there. It's like, yeah, but you've never met that TikToker and how many inconsistencies lie there. Right. Or you've never like seen that person who's making that Instagram post like in in real life. So I, I do think there's something to contend with in the church that I actually think the Lord's allowing that's making us in the church recommit to authenticity. Yeah. That like, Hey, yeah, that this this life that I'm living is something I am like moving towards. I'm mm-hmm. not the perfection of. And I think sometimes when we get nervous, we want to act like it's all together and perfect. But it's like actually authenticity wins the day, I think. But yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> there's some challenges and just to the continued framework. So we've got uh so of the of the Christian youth in America, 21% of them are Catholic. Fourteen percent are mainstream uh, uh, Protestantism, and then uh, the other fourteen are just other Christian, the non-denominational evangelical type Christians. And so, there's about twenty-eight percent Christians, twenty-one percent Catholic. But I, I think it's neat that Catholicism, actually, our Catholic youth, are the largest uh, of all denominations, the largest youth denomination that uh, still is affiliated with their faith denomination mm-hmm. uh, of twenty-one percent of American Catholic. Youth, and so we actually have an opportunity here as a church too mm-hmm. to to really make a mark and to shift the nation. That we've we've got young people who are still saying they're mm-hmm. affiliated mm-hmm. with their Catholic faith, and that that they 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 sense something there. The, mm-hmm. As we mentioned in the last episode, we have some struggles there. So fifty two percent of those Catholic youth um, distrust organized religion, and so we have to regain their trust. Um, but there's something that that they're at least still identifying with their Catholic faith, yep. and um, and so how is it that we can reach those young people, right? How do mm-hmm. we reach Generation mm-hmm. Z? But specifically, our call at, at, in the churches: how do we reach our Catholic and our Christian youth to mm-hmm. win them back to Jesus Christ, so in the heart of His church, so they have a lifelong relationship with Jesus? And I would say this conversation truly is one of the most important conversations mm-hmm. in the American dialogue today, not just the yeah. American Christian dialogue, the American dialogue, mm-hmm. because without that foundation, right. our nation will crumble. Mm-hmm. And and as you're mm-hmm. saying, Aaron, we need to invest time, energy, and effort into and financial resources into reaching this lost generation. Mm-hmm. And, and passion. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. I I, you know, Dan, we we and Brad, I mean you're kind of on the cutting edge of this. You know, we've We've wrestled with time and time again. How is it that we that we define the focus of our missionary program? And we've kind of shied away from over the past few years identifying ourselves with with youth ministry because it puts mm-hmm. us in a box. And 
I think what's happened on our hearts more mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. is that like, no, this, this is not something we need to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. This is something we need to acknowledge is Lean like, into. is the critical component yeah. that, that, uh, that was foundational to the call that the Holy Spirit placed on this, mm-hmm. on this mission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that, that we don't need to be shy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and youth ministry is the call on every Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and if like, if, if you don't feel, if you don't feel passionate about young people, mm-hmm. yeah. sorry, there's, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. You well, have to, you have to look at it. Well, cause I, I'll let you go, go ahead. You have an well, idea. Well, I'm just even from Judaism, like our, our roots, every, everything for mm-hmm. the, our ancient Jewish um, fathers was passing on the faith to the next generation. Yeah. Like that was, right. that was their entire religion, their feast days, their holidays, mm-hmm. the way they educated Everything was dedicated to, we've got to pass this word on. Mm-hmm. This living tradition has to remain. And um, why? Because if we don't, it dies. It dies. It dies, yeah. Yeah. right? Well, and uh, like just the way young adults respond whenever you present youth ministry in an adventurous light and not a, well, I guess we have to, like, you know? Yeah. Like if for the entire course of human history, like men and women die for what they believe is important, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and like as Christians, we're called to die. And like the amount of young adults that respond to like, oh, I'll give my, I'll give my life so that someone who was younger than I was when I met Jesus could have the opportunity. Like when we can, when we can actually bring to your point, the passion and the understanding that this is critical, that like, man, and it's, it, and our heart has to break of like, like think about the parents and the ways they're struggling with the faith that are overseeing these young people because of the, the abuse scandals in the church and like, like, yes, like we have to begin building that foundation of trust and bringing a passion and zeal back into the church of like these young people, this one out of every five young people in the country that are hanging on, like we need to look at them and say like, I want more for you than I had. Right. And and we've talked about this a number of times, but leading in that way and young adults are attracted to that. And I hope our church is, is more and more attracted to that because it's what we need. Yeah. Amen. I, um, so we're gonna talk about the five ways to effectively reach this generation, and um, I, I would say I've I've seen a lot of different articles out there, and it, it, when they address this topic, I always I always grab a few things of like, oh yeah, that's a good word, and then I also mm-hmm. have this sense of like, mm, but you're missing something mm-hmm. as well. Where, mm-hmm. um, and I hope that we can give a holistic approach because I think um, while we're not necessarily the world-renowned experts on reaching Generation Z, I think we're doing a pretty doggone mm-hmm. good job, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, uh, we continue to win young people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. We continue mm-hmm. to sell out our camps faster than ever, our retreats faster than ever, our missionary program faster than ever. And there's a hunger welling up that that God is doing something here um, where young people are encountering Jesus Christ and their lives are being set in a different direction that is countercultural. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we'll just go through the five ways. I think the first point, point and I, Aaron, you, you started to allude to this earlier, is number one, we have to make it all about relationships, right? Springtide Research, who we, we started talking about the first few episodes, mm-hmm. they, they've done a lot of this research. They called, um, they, they, they said the solution to reaching the young generation 
is what the, a, a phrase they they made up called relational authority. Um, that that in a sense, because we've lost uh, trust in organizations and religion, yeah. right? And young people no longer have trust in uh, organizational religion. The the way to win over the young again to religion is through relational authority that, that we don't get authority from saying, well, the church teaches this, or we mm-hmm. don't get authority mm-hmm. from dogmatic statements, but we get authority in a young person's life through building an authentic relationship mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, here at camp, we, one of the ways we do that is we want to make sure that every single young person is seen and heard, right? That, that we have relationships are our number one priority with the young people that they are loved, mm-hmm. they're cared for, they're seen, they're heard, they're recognized and they're embraced. And mm-hmm. even t- like we were, we, we were looking at our missionary numbers for this upcoming summer. Our ratios are insane. Like uh, we have like a, basically like a, a, a two and a half campers to one missionary ratio. It's right. like that, um, the, 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 the amount of missionaries, potentially unsustainable, but the amount of missionaries <laughs> we invest in building relationships with the young church, um, allows for that relational authority so that they mm-hmm. listen to what we have to say. And it teaches our missionaries relationship, right? Because you have, yeah. you have to start with the one-on-one, like yeah. you, you can't like, I can't develop relationships with a hundred people if I can't develop it with one person yeah. or two and a half people, you know? And so I, I think mm. that there's, there's something in our church that because we've fallen behind, we, we go really wide fast, mm-hmm. right? So all of our skill sets, all of our giftings are oriented towards the wide. And now again, I believe in that. I, I'm going to go give a talk tonight to a few hundred people. Like, like those things matter, but it also like is so critical that we learn the one-on-one because there's vulnerability in the one-on-one because you get better as a Christian, as you're walking with a young person in relationship, yep. because you're learning the things you don't have answers to, right? Cause the young people ask curious questions. I'm sure you guys know this as dads, but they ask questions. You're like, I don't actually have the best way of answering this yet. And being able to be honest there, like that's such a good question. You know, let me look into that a little bit more and let's go back into that. Like yep. there's an honesty there. There's a transparency there that makes me better and allows them to trust more, yep. right? Because there's an authenticity. I'm not acting like something I'm not. And so again, you can't have relationship with a hundred if you can't have relationship with one. And our missionaries mm. learn that. They learn how to sit across from a middle schooler who can sniff out insincerity like that. Well, and you see, I mean, because you go to different youth events too, and just if you are a youth worker, where are you present? Because so often at youth events, the youth workers are off to the side having their own conversations, right? And we we, we use the phrase, no clumping. Like yes. missionaries, you don't clump either. So mm-hmm. it's not that we have, you know, a, a two and a half to one ratio and all of our missionaries are hanging out by themselves at the lunchroom. It, yeah. It's no, you're with the campers mm-hmm. and you're going to sit with the campers at mealtime. You're going to hang out with the campers yep. at activity time, that you're with them building relationships and and to actually and it takes something in us it actually you have to actively go outside of your comfort zone because of course you want to invest in yeah, your sure, peer group sure, or sure. like the you know like adults of course you want to invest in other adults but, going but when that, we're yeah. in mission territory it's it, no we have to be investing in the youth and we have to go outside of our mm-hmm. desired peer group to go to the least of these, right? Mm-hmm, Jesus, mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, okay. You, Mother Teresa probably wasn't like, "Hey, I want to hang out with the 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 the, the, the people, sick the, the sick and dying," right? Yeah. But you go outside of yourself to go to the least mm-hmm. of these to to be with them, and I think there's something so significant about that in youth ministry. It's not simply mm-hmm. planning events for kids that they come to. No, I'm gonna I'm going to go to the least well, of these and make a fool of myself. I want I want you to get in there, Aaron, but like. I, the reason I was like kind of like interjecting there, Dan, is I, like we need to press into that. 
Yeah. Because that says something about us. Why are we hesitant to dive in with young people? Because we're still afraid to be embarrassed or to be irrelevant or to not have the right answers or to be insignificant or to be out of touch or to be out of style. Like, or to be wrong. Or to be wrong. That, that, I think that the keyword, yes. the keyword is authority. There. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. I, I love, I love the uh, the way that this is spoken in the article. That that relational authority implies something that's different from the authority that we know, right? When when we when we have leaned upon church authority or legal authority or uh, medical authority, right? It's it's always from this this mindset that like there's there's this big, um, unshakable. Uh, mm-hmm. authority mm-hmm. that I can depend on that can't be wrong. Mm-hmm. And in relationship, like authority doesn't come from that place. It doesn't come from, from a, a person who can't be wrong from lording it over someone. Right. And, right. and I think that's, what's intimidating Yeah, that, that I, I can't claim to be, I can't claim to be an authority. I can't claim to be a, a good leader. I can't claim to be a good father because mm-hmm. I know all the crap that I've mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Right. I know how unreliable I am, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but uh, what, what's different about relationship is that that's not the foundation of authority. Mm-hmm. The foundation of authority is an, is an open heart and a willingness to engage in such a way that we can learn this thing together. Yeah, and will you step in, you know? I was at a wedding shower this weekend, and um, I knew a lot of the people there, and I was kind of like making my rounds, but it was really comfortable. And there were like a couple people there that I didn't know. And I remember like having an internal process of like, <sighs> I should just say hi. Like I should get to know them, mm-hmm. you know, but there was something in me that didn't want to step out there. But the moment that I did, it was, it was way, it was like way better yeah. because like I actually learned something in that interaction about them that was fascinating, but also about me that was like, yeah, like I can actually, I can step out of what I'm accustomed to. And I, I just love the word relationship because by definition, relationships two way. Yeah. And we have to make it about relationships. Yes. So that the young person can come to know the Lord, but so that we can be good representatives of the Lord yep. too. So it, that, that when we make it about relationship, we strengthen the generation we're ministering to, but we also strengthen our generation in the identity that allows us to step in hmm. without, um, so many insecurities and with right ordered identity. Like, cause sometimes like I've jumped into those and made a fool of myself, like not known exactly what I was saying. Like you come into the backside of a joke and you're not picking up on where the story's at. (laughs) Like, like that happens, but that doesn't say anything about me. And that's actually something for me to work in and through. So anyway, I love the relationship idea. Well, I think this is, I mean, and this really summarizes uh, the first two episodes that the, Young people are, this is the loneliest generation ever, uh, statistically, mm-hmm. and that it's because they don't have trusted adults. Mm-hmm. And the w- the way they we f- we give young people trusted adults yeah. is through building uh, mm-hmm. authentic relationships mm-hmm. with them. And then young people today, they have distrust in organized religion. The way that we help build their trust in organized relation, religion or the, hel- the way we help maintain that religion in their life is through relational authority and it, it isn't as you're saying Aaron yeah every facet of authority whether it's legal authority governmental authority church authority we've all been discredited in the last 30 years by our own sinfulness right and, and at one point the mindset was yeah it can't it can't be wrong no it's broken the systems are broken mm-hmm. no matter mm-hmm. what right because we are broken people and we gain that authority when we have authentic relationships that say yeah we're broken and, and and we see your brokenness and we're here together. And, yeah. and and Jesus Christ is the solution. Let's walk together. I think it's funny when you, you mentioned this at the beginning of the show, Aaron, when we were 
first getting in ministry, we were, uh, we had to like present our budgets uh, to the parish count, the financial council. And, yeah. and we, we had a, a budget line and maybe at that point it was a thousand dollars, right. Uh, for like a thousand dollars out of the parish budget for what we called relational ministry. And they're like, what is this? Like, why, like, why would you need a thousand? And we're like, well, we, we want to go to Chipotle. We want to go to get coffee. We want to go to their football games and we need resources to, to buy them Chipotle, to grab them a coffee, to go to the football game. And it was, it was question like what I don't understand. No, this is a waste of church resources. But if mm-hmm. we don't do those things and if we don't put our resources yeah. in building relationships, we're, we're, we're so in trouble. I think young life mm-hmm. does this. Mm-hmm. sometimes better mm-hmm. than any other organization. They call it contact work that every one of their missionaries, they had to spend X number mm-hmm. of hours a week in what they call contact work. That means mm-hmm. going where the camp, uh, I mean, yeah. going where the youth are. And yeah. that's, yeah. that's the second point. So the first point is make it all about relationships. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the second point is meet them where they're at, yeah. right? Hey, do that contact work, go where they're at. Yeah. Before we jump off of relationships, do you guys have anything else you want to throw out there? No, I think that connects great to the second great. point. Yeah, so really uh, so I think it's where are they at and how are we going? And Young Life is great. Like, hey, they're at their football games on Friday nights. Yeah. Let's go to the football games and mm-hmm. build relationships. They're in theater, all right? So if I'm reaching out to a kid and they're on the, pl- at the in the play, I'm going to make sure I go to their play. Why? Because mm-hmm. I'm building that trusting relationship. Now, all of a sudden, I'm becoming a trusted adult in their life. And I've got relational authority because I'm not just asking you, hey, come to my youth group, mm-hmm. but I'm actually mm-hmm. going into your life and, and investing mm-hmm. in your life. Aaron, you do a really good job with contact work. And uh, what, what have you seen successful in that? As you're speaking this, Dan, my question is this, where along the line did we, did we come to believe that this wasn't? Normal. The only way yeah. of engaging in relationship. Uh, yeah. yeah. Why is it that statistics have to tell us this is a great idea? You should invest in their lives. I mean, I think I think about my own children, right? How yeah. would it would it be possible to be a father of a household um, mm-hmm. administratively? Yeah. Like to yeah, right. You know, right. I need I need to convince them that yeah. I care about the things that they do without actually sitting on the ground and doing a puzzle. Yeah. Or or writing a story or mm-hmm. playing music, right? You know, um, I don't know. There's no, there's no secret to it. The secret is, is realizing that I can't, I can't love people from afar. Yeah. Uh, I, I need, I need to go out and I need to, I need to make myself available. I need to make your passions the most mm-hmm. exciting thing in my life. Um, I need, I need to pour my heart out in such a way that I'm, I'm, I'm a father before mm-hmm. I'm a leader. Yeah. yeah. But what's so funny, Aaron, is I think the breakdown of the family has is is the sign of the breakdown. Why is it that this is the loneliest generation? Because they don't have trusted adults. Why don't they have trusted adults? Because most of the generation doesn't have a mom and dad in the same house. And when they do have a mom and dad in the same house, they're both working to pay the bills. And so they're just not present. And so it's this this lack of presence in even our own children's lives yeah. mm-hmm. has passed on a modeling of behavior Amen. and maybe it's the church the lack of presence of in of the church in our lives have has passed on a bad behavior mm-hmm. in us as parents well, it's not funny. modeling parents what's funny when you look at generations is that each generation is really defined by the strengths and weaknesses of the generation previous mm-hmm. so yeah if you if you want to look at the breakdown of like what's the biggest indicator of loneliness? Well, yeah, it's, it's the breakdown of relationship in the millennial generation. Mm-hmm. And where'd that come from? Well, you could trace it all the way, you know, you could trace it all the way back. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
those things are uh, interesting, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. I don't think it changes necessarily the reality of what we're facing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because we well we chart a path, and then we have to ask how do you, how do you get back right? Because like I, I do, I hear what you're saying there. Because a lot of times I think we can look at like here's where it started, and we address that and we get it. But then okay, now now what do we do here? And I've been thinking about this recently, and I wonder what you guys think about it. But in in a world that seems to have lost what it means to be human, mm-hmm. okay. Um, because we engage more on this with each other than we engage like this with each other. Um, and because of a variety of other things, I wonder if it's actually such a grace that God would return us to what it means to be human in relationship. And maybe that's actually the key that unlocks a conversion of the country. That like we've lost in the Western world in some ways the art of humanity, the art of conversation, the art of resting together, the art of doing things together. We've been, um, I don't know, we, we've been almost, um, I, I just think back like you used to live in a town and you all went to the same supermarket together and you all worked in the general area. You didn't have cars that traveled 30 minutes away from each other every day. And like there's just something different about yeah. that. And I wonder if in our times now, because we've gotten so accustomed to being spread out everywhere and not in authentic, deep relationships, like what a grace that is. Okay, well then how do we bring that back? Because that looks different. And yeah. what are people looking for in the world now? You could give a lot of answers, but at least one is something different yeah. than what they're experiencing yeah. right now. And so, yeah, I wonder if, if there's like, because to your point, this is just human. Well, it's a so, relationship, being where people are yeah. at. And Dan, to answer your question, how do you how do you do it? You do it intentionally. You you, you know our our lives are so busy that I will not I, I'll never fail to fill any any waking moment of my day. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this is uh, intentional relationship is difficult for the same reason that intentional prayer is difficult. Right. I'm never going to accidentally. I'm never going to accidentally fulfill a holy hour at the start of my day or make it the daily mass by really by coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've got to start basing my like basing my day basing my schedule on the fact that these are my priorities. So, in in the relationships that you have in your life, mm-hmm. right? Are are these the priorities? Do I do I have I made an assessment of the relationships in my life? Have I made an assessment of my of the kids in my family of the mm-hmm. of the youth and the young adults that I'm investing in and asked? Okay, what does this person need today? How can I go out of my way to make it a commitment to to serve this individual in mm-hmm. this way? Um, I've got a list, right? Because mm-hmm. because I know that I know that I can't do it aside from that, and and I go through and I fulfill a commitment, like I make it a discipline in my life yep. to to say, God, I I have felt a call to fatherhood in my life. I wanna I wanna organize my lifestyle in such a way yep. that I'm faithful to that call. Yep. Yep. And and that means doing things. Well, and not only not only you as an individual, but we as a church need to do that as well. And so it needs to, just like it has to be intentional in your private life, it yes. has to be intentional mm-hmm. in our church strategy, right? That like in our parish life. And so I've, I've noticed our parish has become so good that they're do, our, our bulletins look amazing. Like we're putting together really great graphic designs, yeah. good flyers, and at the end of every mass, I love it. Like Father does the announcements. They're well prepared. They're very inviting. Um, but what I've noticed the last, as we've gotten better at that, everything's about come, come to what we're doing, come to what we're doing, come to what, and every announcement and everything in the bulletin is always about come to us, come to us, come to us. And it's like, wait a second, like, 
that wasn't the early church. That that mm-hmm. wasn't Jesus. Like every like Jesus's strategy and ministry was he had no house to lay. Uh, he had yeah. no like uh, he, no 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 bed to yeah place the rest place the rest his head. Yeah. And the, he was he was an, a like a, a pilgrim and a nomad, and he went to the people. And there's an element where the church just doesn't do that at all anymore. Like mm-hmm. we we just aren't. And so with the young church, like where. Like they'll see that, and like, why would they come to church if, like, what, like, yeah. if they're not going to come to youth group if we don't all first mm-hmm. go to them? And I remember, mm-hmm. like, the most effective way to get a young person to come to youth group um, was just to have lunch with them, go to the lunch room, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just goof off with them during lunch, and go out and play resource recess with them during uh, like their lunch period, and you just build so much credibility because you're yeah. going to where they're at, and then when you say, hey. You want to come to youth group? They're like, yeah, like mm-hmm. because you came to where I was at. I'm like, we got so many young people involved in youth ministry from just doing fifth quarters, like mm-hmm. hanging out after the football games, like having a party, right? That it was yeah. like, hey, we love we love your home football games. Like, let's we're gonna facilitate a time just to hang out after a football game because people want to hang out after football yeah. games. Yeah. Let's do it, and then put a bunch of missionaries with mm-hmm. intentional relationship conversations in that midst. And you start like yep. winning people over quickly. But as you're saying, Aaron, like for me, I'm a strategist. So I'm always thinking apostolically and like, mm-hmm. like strategy and church paradigms. What you do is you just, you model it so well. Like, yeah. Why isn't this natural? Like, be, like I want to be a dad. So I'm going to love people. And that's the way you love as okay, you go me, where so they're let me at. Press in here. Uh, you know, we talk about the fivefold. We talk about the fact that that everyone's called to a unique mission. Like this is this is the place where this, it, you know, it comes down to it. Our our church is led by strategists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and in order to do this right, um, the strategists and the and the and the apostles need to get behind and support the mission of of those who are of those who are called to. Who, who are naturally inclined to do Yeah, I don't well. even know if it's right, though, because I don't know if our church has enough strategists because our strategy is bad. So, yeah, our like, our strategy... So, the, the problem is well, you need strategists and pastors working side by side to say, yeah, we're going to... Here's yeah. the plan, because, like... You, because big doesn't it doesn't can't mean deep right wide doesn't mean it can't mean deep it just means you need an effective strategy of how are we going to go wide and deep at the same time and the only way to do that is reproduction yeah that you've got to reproduce more leaders and so because one person wants to sit at the top of every parish organization mm-hmm. like uh oh, what, what we were the i was at a festival this weekend mm-hmm. i went up i said hey i would love to get involved in, in leadership of this festival mm-hmm. how could i do that and they they literally the person literally laughed at me and said, "Well, the same people have been on the board for forty five years, mm-hmm. and the only way you can get on the board is if you're one of their children." Well, yeah, <laughs> that's a recipe for disaster because those that person yeah, I saw yeah, on the sure. stage that was emceeing, she was sixty five years old, which is why I came up and asked, "How can I get involved?" Yeah, yeah. And when she dies, you haven't reproduced yes, yes. leadership. So this is going to yeah, die, well, and that's what we've done in the church. And let's go to that, right? So then, the why? So you have to ask, okay, why only kids? Why them? Because they own something. So this is something I think we've faulted on in the church is in the name of our own insecurities, we don't put people where they naturally excel. And we have to do that. Like in the church, the reason we don't have great strategists, I would also argue we don't have great pastors is because they all try to do everything. Yeah, it's like, no, no, what's, what's your strength? You're not relying don't on ha- You don't have to be someone else. You need to find someone else who does that thing 
very well. Yeah. Like I think it, it changed my life in ministry when I began to see the things I was naturally geared for and <laughs> things that I was naturally not very good at. And I partnered with people that were better at that thing than I was. And two things happened. I got better at the things I wasn't very good at, and they did what I couldn't do much better than I would have stumbled yep. through. And, and everything so rises. There is a partnership thing there because I think the re- I think the reason we don't have good strategists isn't because we don't have good strategy. G is because the strategists think they have to do five things to call themselves holy. And, and sa- same thing with pastors is they feel like they have to be a part of every strategy conversation. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't actually have to. And, and I, I think that in our own insecurity, we feel like that's not enough. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's true with me. It's like, if I'm not at a table that, and I've actually been really intentional here at Damascus in vulnerability in this year of really asking myself, do I need to be there? Yep. Because I have to trust the people around me and the gifts they've been given because then it puts less pressure on me, which allows me to live relationship more authentically. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that also requires me when I think I should be at something to reach out and go, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think that that would have been a good place for me to be. Yep. And both of those are challenging, but I don't know. that That's my opinion. Anyway, going where they're at means like, us knowing like the places where we yeah. have strengths too. Cause then we bring our strength to where they're at and that's much, much better. Well, and some, some of our college ministries are killing it on this too. Like so, so focus, um, and St. Paul's outreach. I think they're doing a great job reaching generation Z on the college level, going where they're at. Right. I mean, like just when we were in college, the, our strategy to, to reach young men on campus was let's go play frisbee Frisbee, on the oval and invite people to play with us and then invite them over to our house so they see our way of life Mm -hmm. and that idea of like we're just we're gonna live life on campus we're not and and i think sometimes as uh you know as catholics and i actually i've been wanting to do an episode on the benedict option like uh like we really have to be discerning on how often like it's one thing to say okay we're gonna build all these awesome uber uber catholic universities there's something also about, no, we're going to form really awesome people, and then we're going to plant them in secular universities to be a light within the darkness and and, and really be that leaven within. Yeah, and um, and it's both and all the time. But it can't just be, okay, let's retreat. No, let's let's go into their world. Well, and let's get the, sorry, just the fivefold thing. Let's, let's take evangelists and put them on big public campuses, mm-hmm. right? And let's take pastors and put them on, like, we, we could actually get pretty good at this. Yeah. Like, if we would be humble enough to recognize our own strengths and not too wounded to identify yeah. that someone might be better in an area than me. Yeah. And, but we don't do that because of a variety of reasons. But again, it, it, relationships are what start that. My relationship with you two shows me some of my inadequacies in a very like real way, but it's really beautiful. Cause I'm like, well, that's a strength of yours. Let me learn from you and let you run in that Yeah. Way. Yeah. I'm making a list. We're going to do an episode on Benedict Thompson. We're going to do an episode <laughs> on the fivefold ministry model. Oh, it's going to be good. Are we going to make uh, it through five? Okay. Uh, yeah. Five number three, three yeah. number three. Okay. Make it about Jesus in the Bible. Then, so this is because we've lost, um, organized religion authority, right? The one, some, one of the interesting things about, it's funny because we've just been doing this intuitively and now the stats are actually showing that this makes sense. So intuitively, uh, Damascus has just been super Jesus centered, right? Young people want to talk about Jesus. They're intrigued by Jesus. We've been super Bible centered because young people are fascinated with the Bible. Aaron, you talk about how it's interesting that young people still they rely on the authority of scripture to some extent. So they don't necessarily listen to the authority of um, the church all the time. I see that as a trusted authority, but they still have the sense of 
the Bible's a trusted authority. Just some of the the statistics that I think are valuable is that there was research done that young people are actually that even though they have this this questioning about um, uh, organized religion, they they're they're fascinated with sacred scripture and they want to learn. They 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 have questions about sacred scripture. They want to learn about the life of Jesus. That that it's an open door for them for conversation and discovery. What have you guys seen with that? Uh, mm-hmm. You mean you referenced, yeah, the, the, the teaching that I often offer here. I, I think there, there is a, um, there is a time in, there's a time where we would need to strike while the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly as, as I uh, continue to hear teaching and challenge and skepticism from the world, like my, my trust in the, mm-hmm. in the authority of scripture will diminish, but mm-hmm. Uh, the the word of God is power, and mm-hmm. uh, the that power can be conveyed through the word, right? Yeah. And and when when young people will hear that, oftentimes that can be a transformative experience, can, especially yeah. when we haven't been jaded and given a mm-hmm. a broken lens to start with. Um, you know, I, I I often teach that in the context of like, you know, if someone is struggling with a difficult thing, mm-hmm. rather than me trying to create a way of manipulating some kind of an answer that can that can bring strength and consolation to their heart like mm-hmm. let's just go go to the word yeah and and see see what weight that carries and what power that has to transform yeah mm-hmm. yeah the i want to go back to because this is really cool so the american bible society this is a statistic i was looking for 76 percent of generation z says that they had at least some curiosity about the Bible and Jesus. 52% said they were extremely or very curious about the Bible and Jesus. And why is this so big, right? So 76%, which is, that's more than those who are Mm -hmm. affiliated with religion in America. 76% are are somewhat curious. 52, extremely curious. Now, uh, compared to millennials, only 35% said that they were curious. Mm -hmm. And and Gen X, only 39% were extremely or somewhat curious. And so, the 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 openness of Gen Z, and I mm-hmm. perhaps it's just the chaos of the world. Perhaps it's the uh, the hunger for the supernatural. <coughs> the open <coughs> the openness is huge right now, and, mm-hmm. and it's a great opportunity. But the the and so the scriptures become this great opportunity to just yeah, like what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Like what do you think about these miracles of Jesus? What do you think about the life of this man? Who is he? Who was he, right? He actually existed. Right. And how do we how do we answer this Jesus question? I think that's really good. We we present on our retreat, and so I know you guys know this, but just for our listeners, um CS Lewis once wrote about Jesus that he could be one of three things, that he had to be the li- like a liar, a lunatic or the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz he claimed to be the son of God. He performed miracles in the name of being the son of God. And like, so you can just kind of follow the the train there. Right. So he's like, he was either lying about it. He either thought he was, he was either lying about it or thought he was the son of God and wasn't so liar lunatic, yep. or he was who he says he was. I think the young generation now thinks Jesus is lore L O R E that it's just like a story. Yeah. It's just a story that's out there. Like all the other stories. And, and what's funny is when they hear the story of Jesus, though, if we can tell it through the right lens, the way that it connects to everything is so powerful. I think that's part of the reason that I still believe in the gathering of people and the telling of the story in a powerful and persuasive way, because scripture is the first ever library. It's the first ever book. And the amount of 
of connections that book has is unbelievable. The amount yeah. of times it calls back something from the beginning. Literally throughout the Gospels and throughout the Acts of the Apostles, you could find every life circumstance in there. Anytime someone presents a life circumstance, there's a scripture for it. You just have to know it internally enough and have studied and like, not, not even studied in like the, I, that sounds like uppity, like, like just read and looked into it and kind of lived that because they're looking for a better story. Right, they're looking for the story amongst stories. I think that's why they're curious. Yeah, is because there's all these stories out there. There's these stories about you can be whatever you want to be. There's these stories like of of pursuing this, and that's going to make you happy and pursuing. There's all these stories, and then there's this one story that's lasted for two thousand years that I know about. Seems like just another story, but when you tell it with a reality to it, well, it and, changes lives. I, it really does. Yeah. Well, and even like because you you mentioned earlier, Brad, they they they're looking for a purpose without the foundation. And Pope Benedict XVI, he said, evangelization is teaching people the art of living. And scripture allows you just to go into a conversation about how to live life well, right? Like all of these parables and, and, and the life of Jesus, what, what is, what is the life? What is this life yeah. that we're called to yeah. live? And, um, and that allows us to kind of start that conversation, not from an authoritarian perspective, but from a, uh, a conversational perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so number one, make it about relationships. Number two, meet them where they're at. Number three, make it about Jesus and the Bible. Number four, make it incarnational, right? And this is one of the things that I feel like a lot of times in these articles I read, they're, they're <laughs> lacking. They, they don't, they don't understand the, the, how hungry this young generation is for something that is tangible experiences mm -hmm. that they can taste mm -hmm. and see and how effective the tangible is. It's, it's like young people are drawn to the smells and the bells of the liturgy. They're drawn to the religious who wear habits or the priests who wear cassocks. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying like, that's of the old, it's like, no, no, we have to recognize for whatever reason, the young generation is drawn to that and it sparks in them a curiosity and a question. And I think it's because possibly because everything is so quick and, and fast, everything's so virtual when there's something tangible, right? Like mm -hmm. don't like a, uh, the physical printed Bible is incarnational. It's tangible. It's, it's, it's important to open up the Bible and to mm -hmm. find the chapter and the verse. And, and they're drawn into that as mm -hmm. opposed to, hey, I have a Bible app, right? There, there's something special about that. What have you guys seen? We're super incarnational, right? Like we like, uh, I think the Eucharistic adoration and the way that young people love that, it's that incarnational. Of course, God is everywhere, but when God is right here, there's something profound. I thought you were going to say the the mm -hmm. smell and the taste and the sound of the paintball field. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, a lot of me says, you know, this is this list is hilarious to me because it feels it feels to me not to uh, I don't know not to toot my own horn like that. This is this is what Damascus was founded on. Yeah, which is evidence of the fact that from the start the Holy Spirit had His hand in this yep. thing, mm -hmm. right? that this is like high adventure activities leading to a high adventure faith. That that's what this is about because because you you can't encounter someone apart from on an incarnational level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a uh, virtual camp just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you know, yeah, we we see this we see this so so frequently that that we we used to we used to kind of count a count it a loss when somebody said, Yeah, my encounter with Jesus was on the rock wall or yeah on the ropes course. And I think my perspective on that shifted mm -hmm. that like th there is, 
there is just as authentic an encounter with the Lord that you can experience on a high ropes course mm-hmm. as what you can in a chapel. Mm-hmm. And maybe even more important to learn how to incorporate your faith into your everyday life. Absolutely. That if I can encounter Jesus while I'm on the high ropes course or on the rock wall, then shoot, I can encounter Jesus in the lunchroom when I'm scared and mm-hmm. nervous or at the workplace when I, when I, I, uh, I feel alone, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. learning how to encounter yeah. the Lord in your everyday life is critical. And so one of the uniques about Damascus is that, is that that's, that's the unique type of training that our, that our staff and counselors are, are, are brought up in that, you know, that encounter with the Lord on the ropes course, it's not an accident anymore. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. an, that's an intentional formed area of ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've exhausted a lot of my thoughts around this, I think, <laughs> but I, I, I do have enough. Said Brad, never. <laughs> no, well, well thanks, thanks. Um, well, because I, I think in this whole list to Aaron's point is just something I'm so passionate about that it's hard not to jump into every point like yeah, that is the point, you know? Um, but the incarnational side, I think this is the least alone generation we've ever had, but the most lonely. That's bizarre, right? Because they literally have something at their fingertips every moment, but it's not incarnational, Yeah. right? And a God that's just far off and distant is just another concept. Mm-hmm. And they have plenty of concepts. They get different concepts every day. Yeah. But a God that's close and intimately involved in their circumstance, that's not something they get every day. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way that God made himself incarnational so that we could no longer be unfaithful, unfaithful, but more faithful, um, our young people are going to be more faithful to the faith when it's incarnational yeah. and not just a concept out in the, in the open. And again, cause they're, they're not alone, but they're lonely. And that's yeah. saying something. Then, yeah. then what do we mean by not alone? Well, because they always have someone they can call or text or something, but it's not filling the gap. It's making them more lonely. That's bizarre. That that seems like that should be inversely yeah. correlated, not almost causally connected. So well, and it's so apparent too. Like young people when they do mission trips, even adults, anyone when you're when you're when you go and you see poverty, that's way different than mm-hmm. talking about the statistics of poverty. Of when I experience it something happens inside of me, yep. right? Uh, I become more like Jesus at that moment. And, sure. uh, and our faith has to be the same way that when I, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't, I, yes, I can learn about the faith, but if I don't experience it in an incarnational, tangible way where taste and see the goodness of the Lord, if I haven't had that mm-hmm. encounter with Jesus, then, then it, it's just a bunch of information. And Jesus knew that. Yeah. What would the mass be without communion? Yeah. Like, it's not, it, yeah. Well, every sacrament it's, Jesus gave of, us is yeah, like yeah. baptism. An like. outward sign, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. An outward sign. Yeah. It's literally an incarnational sign of yep. the efficacious grace that's contained within what it claims to be imparting. Yeah. And and it, I don't know why, but it seems like it's more necessary now. Like the 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 sake the stained glass windows, the 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 sacred I- images, images, the statues, icons, statues. Yeah. For whatever reason, we threw it out, and now it's the young are hungry for it, right? Yeah. Amen. All right, Bring all right us home, last man. one. Bring all right, home. last one. The fifth one. Um, we want to make it all about mission, not membership. And I think this is really important. If you look at Generation Z. And you just pay attention to what gets them to tick, right? Um, in, in previous generations, like baby boomers, um, it was all about membership. They found a sense of belonging by joining a club. That's why Knights of Columbus took off, right? Because you became a member of the Knights. The Kiwanis clubs, the Rotary clubs, the even parish membership meant something to older generations. Mm-hmm. You don't hear the young generation like cheerleading for what parish they attend, right? Because it's not about membership. It's about movement. What, what movement? 
movement am mm-hmm. I a part of? What mm-hmm. mission aligns with my passions? And you see these movements popping up all over right now, whether it's the um, feminist movement, the LGBT movement, the Black Lives Matters movement. And for whatever reason, young people are drawn to this. There's no club that they participate in. There's not even really uh, an organized creed or collection of beliefs. There's just this movement that, hey, I share in that value and I believe I'm part of something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. And and they they go headstrong mm-hmm. into this. Where, where have we seen this so, in the church in recent let years? Me, let me pull some yeah. clarity here, though, Dan. So you're not saying that it's about the doing of mission. It's still about the belonging, but it's about the belonging to a mission and not yeah, it's a mission mindset, right? So that it, it, it's the both and, but it's not. Yeah. So because you see lots of youth groups that have plenty of service projects, right? Mm-hmm. Service projects are not the answer, like, and service hours are not the answer, right? It's that I belong mm-hmm. to something that's bigger than me, this movement, right? That's why they're so drawn yeah. to, even if they don't believe in the everything the LGBT movement stands for, they, mm-hmm. they, they're drawn. I don't believe, like, even though they don't believe in everything BLM stands for, they're drawn to it. And we saw this like we've tapped into this good as a church with the pro-life movement, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have this movement of young people that I believe in life. And so because we were able to speak a language that matched with a common belief, they gave themselves. And and the pro-life generation, the young generation has all been the pro-life, like not all, but largely this, you go to the March for Life, it's just packed with young people, right? They're just, they they see that as like, okay, this is a movement and a mission I can get behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, the word that comes to my mind is impact. Mm. Like, I think, and th- this could be different because, it, in a real way, even like, and we don't have to trace it all, but even war now is so different, right? But like, I, I think in our our human nature, we desire to make an impact. Uh, Pope Francis says this amazingly, right? Like, um, in one of his, uh, I think it was one of his World Youth Day homilies, where he said, "It'd be a very sad life to go through. It'd be a very sad life to go through life and not leave a mark." Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that young people really, really yoke to that concept. They want to leave a mark. And a lot of times they're, they think that the best contribution they can make, the greatest impact they can have is by gathering with a large amount of people that are moving towards something. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that I obsess over the ambiguity of the target and the lack of foundation. Cause when we build the foundation and we give a clear target, then a movement can happen, right? Yeah. Like it, it's no longer just an arbitrary aim. It's actually a progression towards something. And I, and, and I think that like, yeah, I think that's something, that's something to hold. Well, the movements that speak to their hearts too are value-based movements, course, right? And, going for. Yeah. I, I think this speaks precisely to the first point we made yeah. that, that mm. there's a, there's a focus on authenticity versus authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That I'm going to be drawn to something that, that speaks to compassion as opposed to something that speaks to stability. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what could be more compassionate than all the things that have weighed you down have been taken up. All of the things that feel like they're imprisoning you can be released so that you can be set free. We just don't tell the story. Yep. I, I think that's what drives me crazy is when we don't have a relationship, we don't have an avenue to tell a story. Like Jesus actually is the solution to those things. Yep. And we don't present him like that. We present him as some wisdom giver from the, early millennias and like we, we treat him like um some good guy that'll help you live a good life that other people think is good because the goal in life is that other people think you're good yeah it's like no none yeah. of that like and, and that's so sniffed through by 
the generations now, and maybe that is because they're hearing things and seeing things through different lenses from friend groups and online. I have no idea, yep. but I do know that we got to get better at telling the story. Well, and it's a matter of understanding their values and communicating communicating the gospel in the words of their values. And and honestly, like people who are anti-church do this so well. Like the pro-choice movement. Well, yeah, of course I'm pro-choice. Like that's free will. Like everyone mm-hmm. is pro like that's like part of our Christian nature is to be pro-choice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but that language and that value was usurped by the enemy. The uh, Black Lives Matter, of course. Like, yes. who believes that Black Lives Matter more than Christianity? Like, the and the the way that that we have advanced, or that women's rights matter, the way that the church has fought to advance women's rights yeah. and the dignity of the the human person, the dignity of women, the dignity of um, mm-hmm. uh, everyone. Right? That like, of course, these are values that we have, but our own values have been usurped by the secular world and then twisted. And that's exactly what the evil one does in the garden, yeah. right? And and so we have to learn how to communicate on a value level with the young church and help them see how the church actually fulfills their deepest mm-hmm. passions. Mm-hmm. And the way we do that is by inviting them into mission. Mm-hmm. And unless we're on mission, like like I can't invite you to come alongside of me if I'm not doing right. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. come to, you can't go to Florida with me if I'm not going to Florida. Right. I, you can't go on mission with me if I'm not on mission. So if I'm staying in the church and I'm just inviting, and that's what happens, we'll come to youth group. Like, and, and the end game becomes youth group as opposed to the end game of you want to see your friend's lives transformed with love. Well, let's, come to youth groups so that we can transform your friends' lives, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's get mobilized on how do we actually accomplish this. The mm-hmm. end game has to shift. Do you think that part of us in the church have focused too much on what not to do and not what to do? I think that's a difference there, right? Is, is these movements are all about, look what you can do. Look what you can do. Look, look at all the things you can do. And sometimes I think young people, and maybe, maybe to truth, maybe to not truth, have experienced the faith as, look what you can't do. Mm. Right, like a restrictive message has been spoken more than a prescriptive one, right? Like, like, hey, here's all the lines. But instead of speaking, like the good, like instead of going from what good results come when the lines are set, we've started with the lines, planning on the good results to mm-hmm. follow, right? Like instead, just saying, like, you were made for like greatness, like what, like Pope Benedict has said on so many occasions, like, I don't know. Sometimes I think that th- there hasn't been that, um, yeah. Inspir- I don't know what the well, word if you, is. If you boil it down to a family, right. A, a mom and dad still need to lay the groundwork and tell their kids what they can and can't do. But it, a good parent has relational authority with their kids. So because I've invested time in them and I've invested love in them, they trust me when mm-hmm. I say, no, we can't do this. Well, and and it doesn't break the relationship, but because the church hasn't had relational authority mm-hmm. and, and we lost trust then when we everything we say like go to mass that's like that's a good thing for yes. you and it's a it is it, it, you can present it in a great way of yeah like you want to like start your week off with the eucharist you want to be in a relationship with jesus you want to um give him your first fruits but it, without the relational authority yeah. everything sounds well, like and what's a no. that come from so i'm thinking about you and giovanni and you and diggory like uh, father son is just like i think that one of the easiest ways to look at it is like but you've spoken to giovanni and you've spoken to diggory and you've said you're so good like there is such potential in you mm-hmm. i can't wait to see what you become like it's going to be it's going to be amazing and then when they go outside of that 
It's like, hey, that's going to keep you from becoming that. Yep. But the first thing you spoke had to be this thing. Yeah. Or they have no aim. It's ambiguous out there. It's like, where am I even aiming? Yeah. You're just correcting me for the sake of correcting me. Now you're not accepting me. You're not mm -hmm. accepting me for who I am. No, no. It, it, well, yes, I'm not accepting you for who you are because of who you could be. Yeah. But I have to speak who you can be and then allow all of the other things to show you how those are leading to things not of who you could be. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? It comes back to the original affirmation. Yeah. But no, that's we a could great word. Have an, uh, an entire episode on that, probably, but. We should we should we should form a mission focused on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have a podcast where it's all about encounter leading to mission. Um, all right, why, why don't we close? I think this is uh, a really edifying um, conversation. The five ways to effectively reach Generation Z: make it all about relationships, so that we can have relational authority. Number two, meet them where they're at. Number three, make it about Jesus and the Bible. Number four, make it incarnational. And number mm -hmm. five, make it about mi mission, not membership. Mm -hmm. And um, I think kind of what's sticking out to me right now is just the fact that um, uh, I, the the reason we're, I feel like we're always reactionary. Uh, so the reason, like, Brad, that you're saying, like, why is it that we, we like, why is it that they're getting this credibility on these other things, these other movements, and we're not because we aren't investing the time and the effort into it as you started the show talking about Aaron in order to be proactive. And so like doggone it, someone, someone has put in the effort to come up with a great vision for how to manipulate truth into lies in the, through um, the pro-choice movement and through the feminist movement and through these movements that take good truth and they've twisted it. And because they've twisted truth, our young people buy into lies and, and, and we need to be people who are able to put in enough time, enough effort, enough resources to make sure the truth gets presented early enough in mm. their lives before they get manipulated so that they can easily see. I mean, so they can easily see a truth from a lie that the enemy will have nothing on them. And so, we have to go where we it's uncomfortable to go. We have to go younger. It's easy it's fun to minister to college students, right? Sure, That's sure. awesome. It's it's harder to minister to high school students. It's even harder to minister mm -hmm. to middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. But before they get fed these lies, we have to go to where they're at and start speaking truth to them. Speak a better word. Yeah. We have to speak a better word. Yeah. The word that they're getting, they are accepting prima facie, like on its face. But if you speak a better word, then they're like that actually, that might be better. Yeah. You know, Aaron, you're writing something down. I'm, I'm you taking share? notes for myself. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> hey, we're going to close. Thank you so much for listening beyond Damascus. Uh, who wants to close us in prayer? Yeah. In the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. God, I, I pray that you transform our hearts. Mm -hmm. uh, the three of us here at this table, Lord, every leader in the church, every bishop, every priest, each one of us is operating in a place where we are influenced by our own brokenness and by our own broken lenses. Mm. I pray that you'd, uh, you'd allow our hearts to be transformed so that we could come alongside others who could be a champion for us so that we could effectively live out the mission to which you've called us. Mm -hmm. Jesus, bring us into a community that can, that can stand to support us. And God, I pray that as we have discussed these topics pertaining to this youth generation today, uh, Lord, that you would convict us again, that you would move those barriers out of the way that would present a hostile message to what it is that you've called us, and God, that you'd give us the courage 
the strength, the conviction to say yes. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. If you have a middle schooler or a high schooler, um, or if you're a college student, we have a missionary program that reaches middle school and high school age youth. Uh, mm-hmm. Incredible Catholic Youth Summer Camp. You can visit us on CYSC.com or Damascus.net to learn how to be uh, a, a college student on mission and become a missionary with us. And uh, Or if you have a middle schooler and a high schooler and you want them to have this life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ in an incarnational way with people who want to build authentic relationships with them, Check out Catholic Youth Summer Camp. Um, If your heart is hungry to win and to reclaim the young generation for Jesus Christ, I want you to share this episode with another person. Why? Because the only way we'll reclaim this generation is if we start thinking more about this generation and investing more in them. So if your heart's burning for the youth, get involved and do more. Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to take. Lord Jesus Christ, we believe in you. We know that you will save our young church and we depend on you. Join us next week on Beyond Damascus. Thank you.